I think the first week was on as, as we move through life, we have these parallel journeys going, and one of them is, is external, and the, and the other one is internal. And, and the, the um, monastics always say that order is important, is that the internal journey always precedes the external one. And, and just really taking time to reflect uh, where we are within, uh, within our hearts and everything, and just noticing our behaviors and our actions and the goodness and the struggles and all those things uh, together, and just knowing that God is with us at all times. And then last week we talked about just the need for having a, a humble heart. And um, I don't know if we necessarily, um, I think humility, at least in my experience, it, it was something that was done to me. <laughs> it wasn't something I chose. It was just done to me. And it was kind of a painful experience quite often. But just that humility of heart and, and having more compassion and, and empathy. And today we're um, going to continue to talk about uh, the, the nature of our of our heart there. And I, I might even use the plural word hearts. Uh, the early monastics uh, noticing this uh, conflicting behavior within themselves. They, they just kind of gave up on having one heart and they just kind of said, we all have two hearts and we have two souls. <laughs> and then it depends on which one we nurture and, and which one we, we care for there. So uh, just looking at the nature of our heart here. And I, I call this uh, meditation, just hold my hand here. And this is reading from Philippians. Philippians uh, chapter 4 here, the, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And let your gentleness be known to everyone. <clears throat> that would be a good verse just to spend a lot of time with. <laughs> let our gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And do not worry about anything. We could spend the, the rest of our life on that one. <laughs> Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, and this is the one I was focusing on this week, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Having this presence guard our hearts with that, that peace and that love and that joy. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And these are the words of God for each and every one of us here today. Amen. <clears throat> now, as we take some time just to reflect on that and the nature of our hearts, uh, we probably have all heard the expression, home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. And so what does that mean to you? Home is where the heart is. And what is your experience with that? So let's take a few moments just to pray silently and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Yeah, that, that hermit crab, that's a good, good picture. Yeah. <laughs> home is with us there, wherever we go. Anyone else with thoughts? Yeah. And home also is maybe that place, when, especially when we go within and, and, and just becoming more and more mature, is we're just at peace at home. And sometimes a physical location can help us find that peace, but it's also just being aware of that presence and, and knowing our heart and, and this, all those conflicts kind of dissolve and, and we're just at one. At home there. Anyone else? Thoughts? On home is where the heart is? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <clears throat> this past week, I spent uh, a lot of time at the, the Valley Inn. One of my good friends, uh, Betty, she passed away yesterday. She was 96 or, or 97 years old. And her, 
Uh, she originally grew up in Boston and Delaware and all those places and moved out here to be with, with her daughter. <clears throat> and um, her grandson's actually the sheriff of Silverton, so if you ever bump into him up there, Bruce, I got to meet him over the last couple of years here as well. But they're just a wonderful family. And, and she was also very uh, integral in saying, why don't we have a service up here at the Valley Inn? And she's the one that kind of just kept gnawing on people's uh, <laughs> brains until the Valley Inn and myself agreed to, to do that. So I was just thinking about her and sharing these thoughts. Uh, I've changed all the names except for Betty's here, so uh, she would appreciate that, I think, today. <clears throat> but just thinking about home uh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And, and what is home? And where do we find that? What is that? Not only a physical place, but just that, that state of mind. And as I mentioned, an important part of my week <clears throat> is always leading that, that Wednesday morning worship service up at the Valley Inn, our long-term care facility for the elderly. And I think I enjoy being there because the residents uh, know why they are there. <clears throat> and there's just a peace. It can be a really difficult place, but it's also a place of great love and tenderness and grace. And on Wednesday morning, the, the residents, they arrive in their, in their manual wheelchairs and their electric wheelchairs and, and the walkers with all the yellow tennis balls underneath the legs and they're, they're hobbling in there. <clears throat> and, and some of the residents are blind. Some of them are, are hard of hearing. And many of them have their hands, they're all gnarled like twisted trees which have weathered the storms of life. And the stories they tell, it's just a living history living history of the world for the last 80 to 90, even 100 years. And it's just fascinating. And when I walk into the Mesa Verde room, they always greet me warmly. And they say, hello, Pastor Craig. Hello, Pastor Craig. And they say, thank you for coming. It just warms my heart. It just warms my heart. And I always say, well, it's good to be here. And while I'm talking with them, I always do a survey of the congregation to see who's present and who's not. Because at the end, it's always a little more worrisome when a regular person doesn't show up. And this particular Wednesday, a few months ago, and Ruth, I'll call her Ruth, Ruth was gone. <clears throat> and I asked tentatively, has anyone seen Ruth this past week? And a couple of people said, no, no, we haven't seen her. And one person said, well, I saw her out by the nurse's station. It was Inez who was actually legally blind. And, and Inez said, she said she's not coming in today. And I said, okay. And I could breathe a little bit easier because Ruth is over 100 years old. And she seems to glow a little bit more each week. And this transformation, just her, her kindness and her gentleness is just, just want to be around her. <clears throat> and I think she's probably transitioning from this world to the next world. And I told her, I said, just, just hold tight here. I'm going to go see if Ruth wants to come to our service. And as I was leaving the Mesa Verde room, Mike, he's our neighbor next door. He comes up and plays quite often up there with me. He started playing on the piano, Sentimental Journey. Sentimental Journey, just a wonderful song. It was the first time I'd actually heard it when he started playing it. And that was sung by Doris Day. And Jennifer wanted to remind me. <laughs> and I was also thinking of Sydney here as well, that... Doris Day sang it, but the lyrics were by Bud Green and the music by Les Brown and Ben Homer. And so Mike is playing Sentimental Journey. And Betty 
and Michael started swaying to the music and singing. And you just have to picture them with their gnarled hands and, and this music and their singing sentiment. Just like they were very childlike in their joy there. I'm going to take a sentimental journey. going to set my heart at ease. going to take a sentimental journey to renew old memories. It was just precious. <clears throat> and I left the room, and I found Ruth sitting in her wheelchair next to Mary, who was slumped over asleep. And I said, Ruth, are you coming to church today? And she looked up at me. She's over 100 years old. She goes, no, no. She goes, I can't come today. She goes, Mary needs me. Mary needs me. And I said, okay. And I noticed for the very first time that Ruth is holding Mary's hand. And I just swallow this lump forming in my throat. And heart speaks to heart. Heart speaks to heart. And Father Ron Rollheiser, he writes, God puts us into this world with huge hearts. These enormous hearts. Hearts as deep as the Grand Canyon. And the human heart, as Augustine describes it, is not fulfilled by anything less than infinity itself. That's good to think. Our heart is fulfilled with infinity itself. And there's absolutely nothing small about the heart. And so how big or how small are our hearts? How big or how small are they? And Rollheiser asked the question, why do we so often uh, find ourselves relating to the world and relating to each other and even to God with hearts that are small, and narrow, and often petty. And I think we discover as we journey through life that life can be very difficult and very challenging. And we get wounded, disrespected, and fearful, and anxious. And our childlike wonder turns into adult paranoia. And fear keeps us from playing outside in the dark with the twinkling stars above and the fireflies guiding our way below. And the big, generous hearts of our youth can easily turn into cynical adult hearts. I think I read Rohr said that's our challenge of adulthood, is not to become cynical and to have that goodness of heart. And the wounded heart, Rollheiser says, is the heart within which we feel the unfairness of life, the heart within which we sense others as a threat, the heart within which we feel envy and bitterness, and the heart within which greed and selfishness break through. And it's like we have these two hearts coexisting with one another. And when I returned to the Mesa Verde room, <clears throat> Betty and Michael were still swaying in their wheelchairs and singing, never thought my heart could be so yearning. Why did I decide to roam? I got to take this sentimental journey, sentimental journey home. Home is in the heart. And the core of our being is our heart, says Nowen. And we will discover an order and a familiarity, I can't say that right, which deepens our longing to stay at home. It is home where we rest in God, and God rests in us. It's home where love and joy, and peace reside. And entering into the heart is entering into the kingdom of God, writes Nowen. 
And yet our hearts, as we know, they can be big and they can be small. Our hearts can be soft and they can be hard. Our hearts can be very generous and very stingy. Our hearts can be so forgiving and unforgiving. And the quality of our lives depends on which heart we are connected to at any given moment, says Nowen. At any given moment, we can feel like Mother Teresa. And at any given moment, we can feel like a bitter terrorist. And so which heart do we live in and from? And many of you probably have heard the story, I know I've shared this before, of the, of the wise indigenous grandfather. And he was talking to his grandchildren and saying, throughout my life, he goes, I've had these two, this war going on within me. And I have this one heart that is so loving and tender and forgiving and kind. And I have this other heart that is bitter and angry and violent. And they're constantly at war with one another. And he goes, and now... I only have one heart. I only have one heart. And his grandchildren said, well, which heart, grandfather? (laughs) Which heart is within you? And he said, the heart that I fed. The heart that I fed. And even the early church founders wrestling with this idea, they kind of resolved it, saying, we have two hearts. And we have two souls. And which one do we feed? Which one do we cultivate? And after our our service up at the Valley Inn a few months ago, I walked by the nurse's station, and Ruth was still sitting out there next to Mary, holding her hand while Mary slept. And I could hear those words, going to take a sentimental journey, going to set my heart at ease. And at some level, I wondered if Ruth, despite being over 100 years old, despite forgetting her name most of the time, despite not knowing where she was quite often, I wondered if she was walking Mary home. Heart speaks to heart. And a few days later, Mary made her final journey home. She was completely at peace with her heart. Amen. And we'll now sing.